Shalom, this is Yehudi Feldman. We're resuming Mishlei Perek Chaftalad. Uh, we're starting a new sub-subsection today, which is going to last for about 12 verses. It starts with um, it's verse 23, Gam Ewa Lachachamim Hakir Panim B'mishpat Val Tov. This is a section that's added on at the end of the section that started in chapter 22. And the section basically is devoted to what goes on in judgment. And it also is a nice long digression about the penalty people pay for being lazy. The first part has four verses. Uh, It talks about you know, something that we would expect Shlomo to be concerned about. Remember, Shlomo makes his debut not building the Beit HaMikdash, but delivering a just judgment in the case between the two women as to whose baby is whose. Haker panim ba-mishpat ba-tov. Haker panim means to uh, give partiality towards a person, usually because that person is powerful. That's obviously not a, bit, a good thing. Baltov, Lotov is not simply no good. It's, well, yeah, no good is a good translation, actually. You know, when we say Lotov, Hayotov, Domovado, we don't quite get that that means simply not that that's not a very appropriate thing, but it's no good. Um, Omar, Lurasha, Sadik, Ata, Russia, the judge who tells the guilty person, the one who in a lawsuit is the wrong party, that he is in the right, which is perverting justice, should be cursed by peoples and by nations because he is turning around. Remember, the word Russia and Sadiq in a court case simply means when two people are in a dispute, one is right and the other is wrong. And if the judge proceeds to declare the person who's wrong to be the one who's right, then that's perversion of justice. But those who judge correctly, and also mochiach means those who are prepared to tell people who are doing wrong that they're doing wrong. Speak straight, speak honestly. They get a rich reward. They get a blessing and a blessing of all goodness. Svatayim ishak meshim devarim mechochim. People who give the correct answer, the people who basically say the right thing, those people deserve a kiss. Now, we have to understand that Mishlei is a book that's not just about doing the right thing, but also about saying the right thing. And though doing the right thing is more important than saying the right thing, saying the right thing is very important too. When Sefer Breshit introduces to us Avraham Avinu, one of the things that you really are impressed with with Abraham Avinu is not just that Abraham does the right thing, is that you can't wait till he starts to talk because you know that whatever's going to come out of Abraham Avinu's lips 
is going to be something righteous. You choose first vote, even though you're the younger one, you're the one who's going to take the first choice. I'm going to defer to you. You know, that right off the bat, you get the feeling that Avram knows not just how to do the right thing, but say the right thing. The same when he's offered his, his just share in the spoils of the war on behalf of Sodom in order to rescue Lot. And Melech Sodom says, And Avram refuses to take anything. Abraham has this way of not just saying what has to be said, but saying it in a way that people just wish they could talk like that. The things that Abraham Avinu says are memorable in and of themselves. You almost remember what Abraham Avinu says as much as what Avraham Avinu does. And this is one of the main points that Sefer Mishlei is making from the beginning of the Sefer to the end. It's not just what you do, it's how you present what you do. This is an instructional proverb which is the type that the teacher or the parent, you know, gives to the student or the child about how to set up your household in the future. So Chazal say it in a very famous way, Yomad Umnut, Yivnet Bayit, Isa Isha. Here, I think the plain Pashup shot is agricultural. And what it basically is speaking about is get your sheep prepared outside and then prepare the field and then build the house. Now I have to explain how I get to say Malacha means the sheep. And that's on the basis of Yaakov Avila telling Esav, that's talking about his herd. So the point of the mashal is to say, before you build a house, be sure you have the means to support the household. Make sure you have set everything up first and then build the house. Now, another word that has to be explained in this mashal is the word atda. Um, it doesn't mean atudim, possibly. Many commentators think it's the basis for the word that's going to mean in later Hebrew, atid, the future, prepare, prepare for the future. However, as a word, atid, meaning future, that word in the Tanakh doesn't yet, does not exist. It's going to get to mean that in rabbinic Hebrew, you know, atid akarosh baruch hu this or that. But but in the Tanakh, I'm not at all sure that the word here does really mean future. It may mean something along the line of preparation or setting up your atudim. Don't testify against your neighbor 
without thinking through what you're about to say. Again, if you don't, if, if in other words, don't do it because you have a grudge against your neighbor. Taking a look at the next proverb that immediately follows, Al Tomar Kasher Asa Li Kain Eselo Ashiv Leishlefalo. In other words, these two go together. Don't think to yourself, oh, here's my chance to get my neighbor or some person for what they did to me. I'm going to pay them back. I'm going to testify against them by saying something with my lips that could, you know, put, put get that person into trouble. You know, don't try to use your own personal grudges to basically pervert and do something which is not the right thing. In other words, don't settle your scores in ways which basically mean that you have to do something which is wrong. Let Hashem settle the score. For example, let's take an example with David HaMelech. You know, David HaMelech has no end of opportunities to kill Shaul, who after all is trying to kill him. So he could always say he's doing it in self-defense. But operationally speaking, David HaMelech says no. If Hashem wants me to become king, let Hashem make me king. I'm not going to make myself king by assassinating the present ruler. You know, in other words, if this is what Hashem wants, then Hashem will somehow bring it about. And in the end, Hashem does bring it about. But David does not have to go through life thinking that he settled his score with Shaul personally. Now comes the most extended discussion of the consequences of a laziness, which is, as we know, a bugaboo of Sefer Mishlei. But this one is absolutely the most poetic. Notice again that this whole section, starting with 22.17 and ending to uh, the end of this chapter, does not feature verses that are isolated but rather extended discussions. This discussion of laziness goes on for five verses, and it's all one unit, similar to the one about drunkenness that we read a little bit back before. I passed by the field. Remember, he's speaking as personal experience. This does not sound like Mishlech. Who does this sound like? It sounds like Kohelet. Kohelet is a book that's written from a person who talks about their own personal experience. Shafti ani v'ra'o tachat Hashemesh. Amarti many. The entire book is personally reflective of experiences that the author had. But Mishlei does not have such passages. In general, the only place where you see passages like that to some extent are in chapter 30. Here, though, we do have such a passage. I've had the experience, says the author, of passing by a vineyard of a person, chasale, meaning with no brains. Kasu panav charulim v'geder avanav meherasa. Now we have to realize that vihine in the Tanakh means something you didn't expect to see. Like vayhi baboker vihine hileha. Okay? 
You know, when you see Vihine, that means something that basically is a surprise to the person who's seeing it. Now, after all, did the, did the author expect to see a prospering field? Well, perhaps not. But he did not expect either to see a field that looks like, you know, a total ruin. Here he's saying that all there is there is weeds, thorns, and furthermore, the fence, which in the Tanakh generally means a stone wall, a retaining wall, Neharasa. Now, this also requires some explanation. Most of our people in the time of the Tanakh lived in the mountains, which means that they had to practice terrace farming. Not in Amek Israel, where they were able to practice farming where you have flat land, which is obviously more ideal for farming, and that's why Amek Israel is the richest land in Eretz Israel, but rather terrace farming, which requires retaining walls. So the lazy person's field is a total wipeout. There is you know, weeds, thorns, and even the retaining wall has been you know, destroyed. Not so much by an outer person, it's just been destroyed by weather, by the elements. That's, that's the force of this. The echazeanochi, a shit ribi, ra'iti lakachti musa. And I saw this, but remember, chazon, you know, chazita ish mahir b'malachto, in Mishlech means reflection. It does not simply mean I saw it. It never means that in the Tanakh. It always has a, a step up from just normal seeing. Chazon Yeshayel Beramot. You know, it's a vision. I realized something. Ra'iti. And then I, I perceived it and I took in Musar. I learned something from it, which is Ma'at Sheinot, Ma'at Tenumot, Ma'at Chibuk Yadayim Ushkav. You know, a person is not going to succeed in life if they spend their time sleeping. Even Pirke Avot says that the Torah is nicknamed with, with 48 mile out, and one of them is B'mi'ut Shena. In other words, Shena is something people absolutely need. The Rambam says people have to sleep eight hours a day, which is what most people believe. But you know, sleeping should be done at a time when people are supposed to sleep. And it should not be done in the middle of the day. Now, we also have to understand we're dealing with a society where a lot of people did have siestas in the middle of the day. Megillah Rut seems to reflect it in the middle of the day when it got hot. The workers took a siesta. One of the main problems in Mediterranean countries and in countries that are closer to the tropics is that people have this way of taking a siesta for a long, in the middle of the afternoon, and they don't do any work when they finally get up and start doing some work in the evening, they don't get too much done. And the, you know, Mishle is saying, take, you know, easy on that, okay? Easy on chibuk yadayim wishkav, which means holding your hands together to lie down and, of course, to, you know, to not do any work. You know, folding up your arms like, oh, I, don't, I don't want to be bothered. I'll just lay, lay back, lay down. Uva metalech reishecha umachsorcha ish magain. Perfect synonymous parallelism. Your poverty, reish, is going to come like, a, uh, like someone who is surveying your land to take it over, 
you know, walking back and forth. And Ishma again is the tax collector. You know, of course, if you don't grow anything, you don't have to worry about taxes, but you are going to worry about machsor, which I discussed at some extent before. And it means if you're lazy, you're going to end up with machsor. You know, uh, a person who doesn't work, who doesn't do the work, is not going to end up with having anything at all. You know, the bottom line is, if you don't want to work, you're going to be asking people to help you. And, 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 and if people are not going to help you unless you're prepared to go to work. In other words, the Torah's idea is, instead of giving, you know, handouts to people, get them to work and basically put them back on their feet. But that means they have to go back to work. Okay, with this, we're finished this subsection. Now I want to spend some time introducing the next major section of Mishlei, which is Prakim Chafei through Chavtet, um, which is a, a, a section of 137 verses long, not counting the first verse, which is an introduction. One verse more then Chizkiyahu, who is said to be the collector of this, starting with Game Eilet Mishlei Shlomo Asher Ha'atiku Anshei Chizkiyahu Melech Yehuda. Ha'atik does not mean to copy like it does today. In the Tanakh, it means to move something from one place to another. By Atik Misham Hahara. So what it means is these Mishalim were probably scattered around the archives. And they collected them in one place, they transferred them so that they could be put in safer Mishlei. Most of the Farsham say this is a way of presenting still another collection. Now, the other part here is that, you know, Gvigimatria Chizkiyahu, you know, here they're shortening it to Chizkiyah, is 136. I'm going to show later where that extra verse comes from. There are two verses that really should be run into one. And so the last section here fits exactly the model of the midsection, which was 375 verses, Vigimatria Shalomo. Here we're going to have Chizkiyot. Now Chizkiyot, remember, is credited by Chazal as the people who was actually ultimately responsible for, say, for Mishle. Mishle, And this section definitely reflects the conditions in a royal society. There's no way you're going to look upon what's being written here as reflecting things in early Israel. This reflects things in later times when society got a good deal more sophisticated. There's still plenty of agriculture going on, but there's also plenty of urban centers as well. And and, and, And this section itself can be divided into two parts. One part is the first three chapters, which tend to be quite secular. The name of Hashem is only mentioned once in all the first three chapters, 25 through 27. And furthermore, the parallels tend to be either synonymous or progressive, like the ones in sections 16 through 22. In 28 through 29, the section gets to be a good deal more pious, more concerned about Hashem and Torah, and the Proverbs go back to the form of the first section of Mishlei Shlomo, which is chapters 10 to 15, were antithetic parallelism. You know, the second part of the verse flips the first part and tells you the consequences of doing the opposite of the first part. So 
Um, tomorrow we're going to actually start the section with Kavod Elohim Haster Davar, but I think to prepare for the next five, you know, we will do, you might want to look over chapters 25 through 29 and sort of get a feel for it because uh, we, each chapter runs about 27, 28 verses. And so, you know, it's going to take some time to get through each one in one day, but I'm going to do my best. Shalom. See you tomorrow.